Coming up on Chasing the Natty, the transfer portal has gone absolutely buck wild this offseason to the point where we're going to have to cover it over multiple weeks. This week, we're going to take a look at 15 quarterback and running back transfers that will be impactful for your 2024 college fantasy season. We've got players in golden opportunities, G5 players transferring up to the Power 5 level, and players trying to take the place of CFF 2023 legends. We have on Jeremy Miller from CFF List to help us all break it down, and we're going to have an absolute blast today. All that and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous Mar. Ball next to the outside, drop down for Franklin. A majestic touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. Alright, welcome in everyone. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast, and I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work. On this Monday morning, we are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus to Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday morning during the offseason at 6 a.m. If you want to support the great work we're doing here, head on over to campusacanton.com and subscribe there with one of our stupendous tiers. You'll find everything, and I mean everything you need for your CFF, Devi, CDC, betting, IDP, just overall college football research needs, including rankings, articles, tools, and even more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. And the good sir across from me, you can find his good work at CFF List. You can also find him himself at OG underscore JMill. It is Jeremy Miller, a.k.a. JMill from CFF List. Jay, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Uh, as I mentioned to you uh, prior to hitting the record button, uh, you've woken me up from my hibernation where I was giving myself a good break, about a month-long break to you know, make sure we, we don't get burnt out uh, forever with all the work we do. You know, it can get a little tiresome and burdensome, even though we, we love the numbers and we love the stats. Uh, as the season winds down, it's good to take a break. But I can say that I'm more than happy to uh, kick off the first uh, podcast for myself uh, with you this year, or my first overall, and, and to, to join you. I uh, put on the, uh, the fancy sports jacket to celebrate um the official uh, beginning of the new CFF season. It's always uh, a momentous occasion. Uh, and, you know, the portal's gone nuts, like you said. Uh, surprisingly, you know, from what I saw, there aren't as many really good, solid uh, moves as, as you would think so far. But uh, that's what we're going to explain to people, I guess, as we work through our list today. Well, first of all, you are looking excellent in that velvet suit jacket over there sir i i am envious of <laughs> that suit jacket you look absolutely fantastic and i think you you, you brought up a couple of interesting points there i mean one again i think it is good for all of us college fantasy folks especially during bowl season like some people immediately hopped into bowl leagues and stuff like that that's that's fun it's just personally not yeah. my cup of tea it's a lot of still trying to keep track of a lot of things with opt-outs and everything like that 
I took bowl season to sit back, enjoy, catch some bowl games when I could. Went back, watched right. when I saw something interesting pop up or pop off to me either on the Twitter feed or on the stat sheet and everything. I was like, all right, what happened here? What's going on? Why did this player pop off and everything like that? But for the most part, took a step back. And if you want to know my bowl game takeaways, you can ch- catch me and Chris K's podcast last week where we talk about some of those big time bowl performances. Do we think they're real or not over there? But you kind of bring up this idea of like, oh, the transfers don't seem as impactful this year. And if you have been following me over the last couple of months, I have been putting out some transfer portal articles over at campusdecanton.com where I grade what I think their impact for college fantasy 2024 is going to be. And you'll see that I give out Ds and Fs left and right. There are... Mm -hmm a ton of bad situations uh, a lot of g5 players going to p5 situations that i don't like uh players entering already crowded rooms some of these some of these teams like texas right now is trying to just load up at the receiver position as much as they can they, they brought in matthew golden they're probably going to bring in isaiah bond as well we're hearing this past week it's just creating a mm-hmm. big old mess for us to deal with over there but i wonder jeremy is that mm-hmm. is it really that they're just less impactful this year or just we becoming smarter as college fantasy analysts and not getting overhyped at jumping at some of these transfers coming into some of these situations? Are we giving a little bit more respect than we were even just one to two years ago to the guys that are already there, to the, to the players that are already kind of involved with those programs? Is, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, I, I think what you mentioned at the end is probably the correct answer. You know, when, you know, it became an option to just move teams and not have to sit out, we'd see a big name jump somewhere and instantly think, you know, if they were in the top 20 last year, they're going to even be better this year because they're on a better team uh, without maybe looking as, as deep at the depth chart, the new coaches that might be on that new team, absolutely, what they might've had to support them on the old team that they don't have anymore. Uh, so, yeah, I think as it evolves, it being kind of the pro- process of these guys moving, uh, we're looking deeper and trying to and we're figuring out what you should check before mm-hmm. you move a guy up the board or keep him as high on the board as he once was. Uh, you know, maybe kind of case in point would be like Raheem Sanders, is, you know, like he's going to South Carolina, but he's not the only guy going to South Carolina. So, yep. like, you know, it, it, there's, there's a lot of factors, you know, going into it and. You know, we joke around all the time uh, that, you know, it's just a shame these guys don't consider us and our CFF feelings, you know, when they're making their decisions. They're, you know, because we're, we're really really just looking at it from that that point of view is mm-hmm. what's the impact going to be to his CFF numbers? Are they going to go up? Are they going to go down? Why would he choose to go someplace with three other running backs when, you know, maybe it's a guy that's just moving up that might get half the load, but he needs to prove that he can competing against, uh, you know, power five level competition, even if he's going to get less of a load. And and maybe in some cases they were getting 250 carries at a G5 school and they don't need to get another 250 carries because they're going to get banged up. So, you know, go prove yourself somewhere bigger. And we might grade that as a negative, but it, in real life, you know, we always use that term, you know, in, in real life football, maybe they are making better moves than we give them credit for because we're really pretty narrow minded and have tunnel vision in terms of just how it's going to, you know, affect our CFF rosters. Oh, you're 100 percent correct. Again, I, like it is a shame. 
from our perspective that they don't consider us at all. But they yeah. never should right. make their decisions on Correct. what their CFF impact is going to be, unless, in my opinion, unless in my opinion, there's no shot at the NFL. And in which case, what are you right. doing? Go out, go out and put some stats up. Become a legend somewhere. Like like then then like again like Marquez Cooper going to Ball State last year, right? Like he understood right. he's not going to go to the Power Five level and really do much there. He's not going to make that jump like that. So he's stuck with the Mac and. Again, he had a good season for Ball State, but he had a better chance of actually becoming a legend there than going off to Colorado and becoming a complete non-factor last year or something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I, so like, it is interesting, though, to see you know, which direction these guys choose to go. You know, that, like, if they're going to remain the superstar, you know, or go prove themselves, you know, against what's considered to be better competition. Oh, I've been making the joke all, all off season already about how it's like, again, you have the, there's two really types of college fantasy, right? Like there's CFF us like, like putting up college production. And then you have the Debbie side where again, you're trying to project how they go to the NFL. It's so funny how those two like go against each other. So like when a player goes from the G five to the P five, all the Debbie guys are like, yes, this is awesome. They're going to have their opportunity to showcase for the NFL versus all of us, all of us CFL players are like, no, right. why would you do this? And then it's the opposite. When, yeah, when a yeah, P5 yeah. player goes to G5, they're like, ah, oh, that's a death nail for his Devi value. Us CFF guys are like, big fish, small pond, let's go. Anyway. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but, you know, you gave me an assignment. We've now kind of narrowed down some of the guys we think could have a bigger impact than others. So yep, um, for sure. I'm kind of looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we're going to talk yeah, quarterbacks yeah. and running backs here today. We had to split this into multiple weeks here, y'all, because like there's just too much to cover. My articles are already, I think if I added up all the minutes that um, the Campus Camp website says in terms of how long it would take you to read my just my three articles and I got more in the chamber ready to go, it would take you over an hour to read through all of my analysis according according to that metric. So just gives you an idea of how many guys are out there and how many people we could talk about. But we're going to have 15 guys that we'll talk about here. I believe it's eight quarterbacks and seven running backs and tons and tons of like wide variety of different guys and yep. situations to talk about here. And we'll get right to that. But first, I need to go through a couple of announcements, uh, just a little um mid mid podcast spiel here for just a couple of things one make sure you keep an eye out on the chasing the natty podcast feed we got the first episode of defending the natty a college fantasy dynasty podcast that'll be me and nate marquise doing that Mm -hmm. once a month right there again it's just gonna be us it's gonna be chill no video product with it right now and everything it's just gonna be podcasts and it's just going to be Nate and I kind of shooting the crap. Again, we, we both love college fantasy, dynasty leagues and everything. There's not really a great place to talk extensively about that. So that's where we're going to do it right there. We're going to be discussing kind of the state of college uh, fantasy dynasty leagues right now with the transfer portal, with all that craziness going on. How does your strategy change over the next coming years? Because you can't really depend on guys being in the same place really more than two years at a time at this point. So... That's going to be a great discussion. We're going to talk about the 2023 freshman class, all those guys, how do they perform, who's actually valuable moving forward. So it's going to be a great, great time over there. And then another great announcement. Again, I was excited to announce this on last week's uh, podcast. Uh, we got t-shirts. We got Chasing the 90 t-shirts over at the Campus Canton store. Um, again, they're about 25 bucks over there. Great quality t-shirts. I still got mine coming in the mail here relatively soon i'm excited to have that because the moment that i have it i will be wearing it on the show 
it's going to be an absolute blast. Um, so yeah, go check that out. It's a great way to directly support the show over there. And you can look really good in a black t-shirt with the Chase and Natty logo on it. So go check it out. All right, J-Mill. Let's get into some of these players yep. here, and we'll start with the quarterbacks. And All right. we got to start with the one that I think is like, for us in the college fantasy realm, this could not have worked out any better. Dylan Gabriel, right. quarterback out of Oklahoma, going over to Oregon. Like I said, could not have worked out any better. Dylan Gabriel has been a top 24 QB the last two years. He's QB 24 in 2022 at Oklahoma. Probably going to finish a little bit higher if he stayed healthy. Um, actually, if I remember correctly, I did the math, and he would have finished in the top 10 last year if he had stayed healthy. Finishes a QB2 at Oklahoma this year in 2023. So he's just an absolute monster. And if, um, Just a couple years ago, he was on pace to be the QB2 at UCF. So his skill set just fits college fantasy. He's the guy they're going to invest in every single year. And it helps he's going to Oregon, which has just been phenomenal across the board for college fantasy. Bo Nix was the QB1 in 2022. He's QB5 this year. So just back-to-back years of just putting up tons of points. Oregon taking no names. They should be in for another really good year this year. And Will Stein, their offensive coordinator, he's only been there one year at Oregon this past year where he made Bo Nix the QB5. Well, at UTSA, he was able to make Frank Harris the QB6 the year before. So just overall, if this fails, it's going to be an anomaly. Everything's coming together. you got the great quarterback, great offensive coordinator, great team and culture in terms of what they like to do for their quarterback. How does this fail, Jeremy? Is like, do, can you see a path to this failing? Uh, no, no. This I was gonna I was gonna use the term plug and play. Like, if there's any transfer that you know you could say is just a plug and play, it's gonna be ready to go. You know, I think this would be it. The only thing, you know, is if you start digging into like just bad chemistry, guys not getting along. Mm-hmm. You don't hear any of those things out of Oregon. You know, you, it seems to be you know pleasant environment for the kids. Like, who wouldn't be happy with you know all the uh, all the bonus items they're getting at Oregon? Yeah. Um, you know, and he's proven also that you know he can move from one school to another and get the job done. That's an important note. You know, with for the sure. COVID the extra year for COVID, him being injured. You know, if if you ever thought of a player that you're shocked to still be around you know it's it's dylan gabriel i've i've had him literally what seems like forever in our home league and guys are still upset that i still have him uh you know i had him at ucf in the initial glory days where he won me you know a championship in in our dynasty league you know where he was averaging 30 something points per game um Mm -hmm. you know you you reference uh player ratings by total points we break it down by points per game yeah, he was QB two in points per game last year, thirty one point three. We had him predicted to be top eight. Kind of looking back at that relationship with Lebby and what he did at UCF, um, there is always a fear of a slight stumble when a guy. You know, he did he didn't have the year two years ago at Oklahoma that he had last year. So there is a little bit of a learning curve everywhere you go because, you know, some guys make learning a new system seem very easy, but like. Maybe that would be the only downfall is if there's just some intricacies of the offense that just aren't clicking in terms of terminology and understanding. But uh, he seems to have proven to be a smart quarterback who, who's not going to let that get him off track. And uh, and if you could ever come up with statistically a guy that could mirror Bo Nix, like it, it's Gabriel also. I mean, he's yep. he's not like the traditional dual threat where they – 
purposely have given him carries to build his stats, but he's kind of like a Kyler Murray where, you know, he's fast enough and quick enough to get outside the pocket and pick up 10 or 15 or 20 yards on unscripted running plays. And and he certainly can find his way into the end zone, uh, you know, when he's down there too. So he, he is enough of a dual threat where I think he can completely replicate what Bo Nix has done at Oregon. Well, that's pretty much what Bo Nix was this year. So like Bo Nix yeah. didn't have a ton. It didn't have nearly as many design quarterback runs this year under Will Stein as he had under Kenny Dillingham the year before. Right. And so that, that kind of alleviates my worry there that again, Dylan Gabriel, as long as he kind of replicates even somewhat what Bo Nix was able to do this past year, he's pretty much a lock for a top 10 quarterback over here. Um, yeah. He's probably yeah, going to yeah, yeah. now 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 that uh now that things are changing big time at Alabama and don't worry y'all we will we will discuss that in great detail once we start talking about some of these coaching breakdowns of the next couple of weeks. Um he, Gabriel's probably locked in for a top top 2 quarterback in my ranking here because of just everything coming together so perfectly here. The other thing that might put me off of him just a little bit again this is they are going to the Big 10 next year. And while I think Oregon right. is one of those teams where, again, if you, if you listen to Josh Pate, he talks about the freeze point. Like, you just need to be at a certain talent level at a certain point in order to even remotely stop a high-powered offense like Oregon's has been the last couple mm-hmm. of years. I still think that the overall defensive ratings that they're going to face in the Big Ten are going to be much higher than what they had on a week-by-week basis in the Pac-12. So that probably maybe knocks him down like a slight bit, but otherwise, I think they'll be fine next year. It's going to be a monster season for him. Yeah, that's no, that's that, that's a good point. The defense should be a little bit better, but you know he he's been he's been around the entire country now with his career and proven he can do it wherever he goes. So I, I don't think there's anything to worry about. All right, let's move on to one of your guys here, Jeremy, that you wanted to talk about, Tyler Van Dyke, former quarterback out of Miami, yeah, Florida. Oh, I was I was just gonna yep. I was just gonna oh, you're, yeah, say go the ahead. school names real quick. Um Tyler Van Dyke, former quarterback out of Miami of Florida, going to Wisconsin. Jeremy, now you can start talking about him. What do you what what what's got you either excited or really just why did you want to talk about Van Dyke of all quarterbacks? Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think we've we've kind of got to put an asterisk by a lot of the comments here. Like, you know, this first group of players that have committed, you've got a ton of guys in the portal, but you've only got you know, a certain percentage that have made a commitment to schools. And when you start digging through that list with all the names that have gone in, I was kind of generally disappointed by the picks that I thought fit well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I did pick the guys that I thought were the best of the commitments so far to a certain extent. Um, But I also wanted guys that maybe had a bigger upside, you know, where they were going, you know, versus where they were coming from. So sure. While he's 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 one of the guys I think will outperform some of the other transfers, um, you know, kind of you going back to your grading system that you used in the Campus to Canton articles. That's that's kind of the way we look at this when we put out our most impactful list, which is coming up, you know, in the next week to ten days. Um, I'm not saying this is a pick that I would grade an A, maybe even not a B. This would probably be in our kind of grading system, kind of that B slash C, you know, with the upside of the B but a C because, you know, he still has some shaky stats in his background. And two years ago, he only finished like QB 120 something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the potential because of the upgrade and offensive coordinator. Yep. Uh, that That's the primary reason. Um, 
you know, when he did have his bad season two years ago, I was, I was looking to see if there any anything that stood out. I mean, he, he his team was 100th in sacks allowed two years ago when he really took a downfall after the really good true freshman season. Um, and then last year, I guess, you know, he was very middle of the pack. He averaged 17.6 points a game over 11 games, but he was still productive from a yardage perspective, you know, 2,700 plus yards during the regular season. Um, but again, I'm mostly intrigued by the improvement that I expect to see from Wisconsin on offense overall going into year two uh, with a team that I think is coached by one of the best head football coaches in college football uh, with Fickle. Uh, but bring, having Longo there, um, you know, I, th- I think uh, really puts this one over the top for me. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to be excited about with Phil Longo there. Just looking at his history over the last couple of years, right? 2022, Drake nope. May was QB4. year before that, Sam Howell was the QB6. A bit of a hiccup this past year. Mordecai and Locke would have combined, like if you combine their total fantasy stats, would have been QB63 in 2023. Right. But again, I think part of that is Mordecai didn't end up fitting that system nearly as well as they thought he was going to. I think that they brought him in expecting him to to fit that system. By the time spring rolled around, it was pretty clear that he was like we saw all saw the spring game where he threw four interceptions. Now, granted, everybody's like, "Oh, maybe it was kind of cold and everything." No, he ended up sucking in the season as well. Just couldn't get it <laughs> off, couldn't get it off the ground as the season went right. along. And really, the one thing to be excited about was Will Pauling throughout it. But I think Van Dyke, we've seen the flashes before. We've seen that when he has himself a nice offensive coordinator down there or at Miami that he can perform really, really mm-hmm. well. When Rhett Lashley was the offensive coordinator there, he thrived. And so I'm excited to see what he can do there at Wisconsin for sure. You're talking about grades. I give this a C because, again, nope. the rushing ability, he hasn't really shown it as much as like Sam Howard or Drake May. So I think that kind of dings him a little bit compared to those guys. But like you said, C is where I kind of put the guys where I'm like, I'm hesitant but I see the upside, and I wouldn't mind taking them in the mid rounds just to see what I can get out of them. So, right. look- and, and definitely, yeah, that you want to, you know, put him in the category of guys that you look for the most updates on during spring practices. You know, he's, he's in that category where you're going to definitely keep an eye on him because there is the potential for a really big upside there with uh, the dairy dairy raid. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if, if it starts coming out again, like it did with uh, Mordecai last year, where things are struggling and everything, then you know very quickly, all right, back off. Let's not do this again. All righty. Right. Next quarterback up here. Let's go talk about Will Howard. former quarterback at a Kansas State heading over to Ohio State. This is... I feel like Will Howard's getting a lot of unnecessary hate because people are just so used to Ohio State having an elite quarterback between the years of Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud that all of a sudden people are like, oh, Will Howard, you know, he's not he's not a typical Ohio State quarterback. Why? Because he does, didn't have a five-star next to him when he was in high school? No. Right. Will Howard is right. a very experienced quarterback for the last couple of years, has grown a ton since he first started Last year, some people were saying like, oh, he couldn't even beat out Adrian Martinez. Granted, Adrian Martinez, very bad quarterback. But at the same time, like, guys make big jumps. And we saw a huge jump from Will Howard this past year. In 2022, if Howard had played the entire season, he finished his, he would have finished his QB 46. This past year, healthy the whole season, played the whole season, finished his QB 12. 
Actually, that's not even true. Right. He didn't even play the whole season because there was that one weird stretch where Avery Johnson was getting a lot of carries, even though Will Howard right. was right. kind of being thrown in there every once in a while. So he could have finished even higher if he played the full season. Now, where is he going? What's, what's going on here? Obviously, he's going to Ohio State. What have they done in terms of college fantasy the last couple of years? Well, you got to love what you see there. Again, Justin Fields was an absolute monster for Ryan Day in that offense when he was there. And then C.J. Stroud, his two years, finished as QB 13 in 2021, QB 17 in 2022. So very consistent, high-floor high quarterbacks coming out of Ohio State until this past year. Kyle McCord finishes QB 52. The entire offense really took a step back. I believe they went from third in yards per game in 2022 to like 45th this past year so very big hit from the offense that definitely needs to be figured out that's why like again going back to the grading system i gave this a b rather than a if it was if you know combo court had been coming off a great year i'd be putting will howard at an a or a b easily there or as at an a easily but i'm putting it at a b because i still like the system i still think that this ohio state team can take off they have some really really good weapons coming back obviously emeka igbuka being a really big one returning get carnell tate in year two brandon innes is coming up as well maybe jeremiah smith if you believe he's the second coming of jesus like some people seem to think that he is um a lot of great options for will howard i think he'll be well taken care of in this system and the other thing that really I think will kind of put him above what Kyle McCord was able to do last year is that he's going to add a rushing dynamic that really wasn't an option at all with Kyle McCord last year. It's not even because some people are like, oh, Ryan Day won't let his QBs run. Last year, he even if he wanted to, Kyle McCord was not going to be a rushing QB for that Ohio State offense. It's just right. not in his skill set. Will Howard, we've seen him run for 400 yards just this past year. He'll be able to run if Ryan Day lets him. It's just a matter of if Ryan Day lets him. I actually think he will be able to run this year. I think that Ryan Day saw that, especially in big games, letting your quarterback run like C.J. Stroud did against Georgia does give you an extra option there. I think that kind of opened his eyes up a little bit to the idea like, hey, I can let my quarterback kind of take things into his own hands at times, and I don't have to really worry about them all that much getting hurt there, especially when, again, Will Howard's great. But hopefully, hopefully Ohio State, again, this is a little bit of indictment on you if this is not the case, but you got Devin Brown and Lincoln Kineholtz back there. Lincoln Kineholtz being in his second year, Devin Brown in his third year. Like, if Will Howard runs and he does get hurt, obviously we don't want that. But Devin Brown should be able to step up at that point and kind of take over for you. I think, again... Howard, this is a long spiel to say I'm in on Howard this year. I'm going to have him in my top 24 QBs. Some people are, are going to want to be out on him because of Kyle McCord or because they don't really think that he's all that great of a quarterback. And I get that a little bit, but at the same time, this is going to be an offense that likely scores 40 points a game again this year. They got the weapons. Yep. I'm in on it. Right. And I, I think uh, what people aren't uh... – Looking at also is the fact that Will Howard will have a much better supporting cast at Ohio State. Uh, we got the news that Henderson's coming back at running back. He obviously has great wide receivers he'll be able to throw the ball to. They always manage to find a tight end that can work into the system. Uh, so unlike what was happening at Kansas State, where they relied heavily on him to win games by himself, he won't have to do that at, at Ohio State. Uh, so I, I think that helps him all around. Um, and I think also 
he would have had an even better season than, than what he ended up having. Uh, but he fell victim to the transfer portal in a way that people aren't really looking at, which is how do we keep Avery Johnson from leaving Kansas State and transferring somewhere else? Let's yep. make sure we get him into games as a true freshman uh, and not just, you know, as a backup, but in meaningful ways. This is a new strategy that coaches have to figure out how to work out. Uh, how do you keep everybody happy without them, you know, just wanting to leave uh, and kind of, you know, make a, a split, an instant decision at the end of the season? So I think the coaches did what they had to do at Kansas State, but the victim of that was Will Howard, you know, having to give up probably more playing time than, than he would have if we weren't in the, the transfer portal era. Um, but I think Ohio State's getting a very efficient quarterback, which people yep. are sleeping on. He's had 41, 40 touchdowns to 14 interceptions in his career. Like, I don't know how that equates to a bad quarterback. You know, that, you know those yep. people that think he's not so good, you know, think he is. He's, he's produced on the ground, 19 rushing touchdowns. So a lot of the things you said, I agree with. He's, he's a well-rounded player. Um, who doesn't make a lot of mistakes, you know, in my opinion. So we'll back it up real quick to one of the things you said there. I kind of find it a little interesting because you're talking about and he's going to have a great supporting cast around him. Two incredible running backs in Travion Henderson and now Quinshawn Judkins and everything like that. A lot of times in CFF, you want the guy that everything's put on. You want the guy that is going to touch the ball every single time because right. he's going to have to win their team games. So because of right. that dynamic now at Ohio State where he doesn't have to be the guy that wins uh, Ohio State every single game, does that actually hurt him in fantasy? What do you think of that kind of devil's advocate argument? Well, I think that's then where you start looking at that uh, 40 points per game that you've already started to project. Probably so. Um, you know, if if he's in that situation, you know, the team that wasn't, you know, as high-powered as Ohio State you know, to the highest degree – that's probably more of a factor, but in this, I used to get caught up in not wanting Alabama players for that exact same reason, but I've kind of slowly come around to the fact that, well, everybody's kind of going to get their share, you know, in that type of, on that type of a team. So you don't mm -hmm. necessarily have to be as scared that it's going to get spread out too much. You're going to have guys at every position capable of having big games because they're beating teams 52 to six or 43 to 10, you know, yep. and, you know, that probably equates to two passing touchdowns and maybe a running touchdown every other game for the quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely fair. And there's one thing we do know about Ryan Day is that he does, even in blowouts, like to keep his starters in probably for longer than he should in terms of gamesmanship. But that's besides right. the point. Let's go talk about another quarterback here. One of the guys you wanted to talk about here, Jay Mill, Tyler Shuck. Former quarterback yeah. at Texas Tech and Oregon, now headed over to Jeff Brom and Louisville. What is the skinny here, Jeremy? What are you excited about? What are you not excited about here, potentially? Well, uh, first, I'll just give Tyler Shuck credit for being a guy who picks really good systems when he's going to go play football. Uh, you know, we got excited about, you know, Texas Tech when the Western Kentucky staff, you know, went over there to kind of, you know, keep them the pass-heavy team they've always been. Uh, he's had some ups and downs primarily due to injury. So we haven't really seen kind of his full capability, I think. Um, but, you know, I guess to kind of just get everything, uh, give everything a fresh reset. Uh, he's making the move to Louisville where I think regardless of what happened last year with uh, Louisville shifting to a more heavy run offense because they had to, um, they're, you know, they're going to get back, and I think, to, you know, what Brome really likes to do, which is air the ball out, 
and he's proven to be a very good, you know, quarterback whisperer, quarterback teacher. So, uh, you know, I think Shuck has done another good job of moving to a system that can work well for him. Uh, and as long as he can stay injury free, you know, I think sky's the limit in terms of his fantasy ability. Um, and, you know, Brome is consistently in the top, you know, 20, at least top 25 in, in team passing stats uh, with the exception of, of last year where they made it known that we just don't have the, the personnel to do what we normally would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that was an anomaly. They shift back to a, a, the pass heavy, like I said, and Tyler Shuck, if he can stay healthy, is one of those guys that I'm also kind of giving that B slash C grade because of uh, the potential upside. I would give this a B, but I'm going to put it down to a C. I don't like projecting injury. It is one of my least favorite things in, in fantasy. I don't really like when people talk about players being oh, injury prone. Because again, think about it this way. like Christian McCaffrey was the injury prone running back until he wasn't this year. And then he ran out, and then he just absolutely right. torched NFL uh, fantasy rosters this year because people still believed in him at San Francisco over there. So it's like Tyler Shuck, he has played a combined 13 and a half games over the last three seasons. It has been very rough for Shuck drafters. Pretty much you're just waiting around for him to get hurt and injured for the rest of the season the last couple of years. But like you said, Jeremy, what if he doesn't right. this year? What if he sticks around? What if he, what if, what if, Jeff Brom finally kind of lets it loose. I think there's definitely potential here. Again, looking at the last couple of seasons, Jack Plummer, like you said, obviously they didn't have the passing personnel that they wanted to have last year. Uh, Jamari Thrash being banged up as he as much as he was hurt them a lot. I think Kevin Coleman was a little bit of a disappointment for them. We saw Amari Huggins-Bruce head out after the transfer port. It's pretty clear that they don't really want to rely on him as much anymore. Um, Colin Lacey and Ja'Cory Brooks are being brought in. So it's clear they weren't happy with their receiver room right there. And so there's definitely potential here. But like at the same time, Aiden O'Connell in 2022 had Chuck Sizzle, had the receivers that he probably needed to to run really well. He still finishes a QB 45. Now Chuck Sizzle was awesome, but Aiden O'Connell didn't really get that benefit there. So I think... A bunch of this depends on a couple of things. One, Chuck's health. We mentioned that already. Two, how good are Colin Lacey, Ja'Cory Brooks, and these other guys that they're bringing up? Let's not forget Chris Bell. Again, once again, we're leaving out the guys who are already there, but Chris Bell is a legit receiver I think Louisville could utilize there. And then the other thing is what does this running game look like? Do they focus more on the passing game without Jawar Jordan? There he's headed off to the draft. But they are also bringing in guys like Don Chaney. They're bringing in guys like Penny and Boone. So clearly they want to have some sort of running game as well here. So I am cautiously optimistic because, again, there is the path there. 2021, Aiden O'Connell, if he played the full season, would have finished as a QB 14 that year. So there's a path to CFF relevance. I'm probably just going to have to see where Shuck falls in drafts. Do people get way too off of him because of his injury pass, or are they willing to take shots on him again? Any other thoughts there, Jeremy? Yeah, I think, you know, let's also keep everything relative. Like I said, when we started the quarterback discussion, uh, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm excited about him because I think he's necessarily a top 20 or even top 25 quarterback, but there is still a lot of value in quarterbacks that are top 40, top 50 range. and, And I think he's definitely got the potential to be, kind of in that 40 to 50 range, which, you know, would make a great 
you know, quarterback three, potentially even, you know, make it into your lineup as your second uh, quarterback in, in leagues that start two quarterbacks. So, uh, again, we're going to be cautious with all of these, keep an eye on on their progress through spring. But, uh, you know, certainly among the guys that have committed, he's, he's still at the top of my list in terms of his potential. Speaking of guys with immense potential, let's look at our fifth quarterback here, K.J. Jefferson, going from Arkansas to UCF. I gave this a B in my articles, and quite frankly, I probably should have given it an A because of the landing spot here, the skill set and everything. The one thing that held me back is that we just haven't seen that truly elite year from K.J. Jefferson like we have with a guy like Dylan, uh, Dylan Gabriel, guys like that. But let's look at the history here with KJ Jefferson. QB 45 this past year, even under Dan Enos, it was a horrendous year on offense for Arkansas. But the fact that he still finished in the top 50 was honestly a minor miracle. Previous two years, Jefferson was extremely consistent. Quarterback 26 in 2022, quarterback 25 in 2021. So a clear CFF uh, quarterback option. There's a reason why he's been taking the fourth and fifth rounds the last or this past year. Even with Dan Enos being hired offensive coordinator, probably should have paid a little bit more attention to that. So you're probably sitting there wondering, like, okay, Jared, why is he elite? Like, or why could he be elite this year? Well, he's going to UCF and Gus Malzahn over there. And God dang, do we love some Gus Malzahn dual threat quarterbacks, man. <laughs> and it has to be dual threat quarterbacks, which KJ Jefferson most absolutely is. This past year, right. in 2023, John Rice Plumley, before he got hurt, was on pace to be the QB 10 if he was able to play all 12 of his games. The year before, John Rice Plumley finishes at quarterback 16. And then the year before that, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast with Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel, before he got hurt after three games, he was on pace to be the QB 2 in 2021 so Gus Mel's on dual threat quarterbacks are just absolutely nuts and like I said like I said specifically dual threat quarterbacks because once he switched over to Mikey Keene and Timmy McLean and those guys where they can't rush a whole lot the fantasy potential drops off completely for Central Florida but man Jefferson with Gus Melzon it's hard to have picked a better landing spot to potentially unlock the eliteness that KJ Jefferson could have been hiding from us this entire time. I really don't got much more to say than that, Jeremy. What are your thoughts on Jefferson, man? No, I think it's a perfect fit. I mean, he's, he's been in an offense where he's been allowed to run, but uh, I think he's going to have you know twice as many you know play calls where he's supposed to run in, in this offense. So yep. you're looking at a guy who kind of easily has put up five to 700 yards rushing yards uh, in seasons where he's also gotten 2,500 passing yards. So, you know, we could be looking at a guy who, you know, has kind of that 2,500 passing close to a thousand yard season in the UCF system. He's certainly capable. He seems to stay healthy. Uh, he can, he can take the, the rushing load, you know, with the extra hits that you accumulate as a rushing quarterback. I mean, he's going to be the, the, you know, bigger than anybody, you know, from yeah. the linebacker position, you know, going back, you know, he's, he's going to outweigh most linebackers by 20 or 30 pounds that, that he's running into. So uh, he's proven that's that's an asset in itself. Um, but again, he, he might have twice as many, you know, rushes, design rushes, you know, as he's had in his past. So yeah, I, I'd say he's, he's in store for like at least 800 rushing yards and, and his usual 2,500 plus passing. I think that's, I think that's definitely within the realm of possibility here. And also check out this schedule, dude. New Hampshire, Sam Houston, at Florida, not great. But again, the Big 12 overall is getting worse here, man. So like, let's look at some of these matchups they get. They get at Arizona State. 
They get at Iowa State, at TCU, Arizona, BYU, Utah, Colorado, Cincinnati, West Virginia. Those are pretty much every one of those, except for maybe Utah. I'd be super comfortable starting KJ Jefferson. And I think that those all have potential to be high-scoring games depending on what some of those teams are able to bring back on the defense, specifically guys like Cincinnati, maybe West Virginia as well. So I think Jefferson's in for a huge year. I, I, I probably will have him on my top 10 quarterbacks, and I don't typically like having transfers that high in my rankings, but this is just too good of a situation here. All right. Yeah, you were. Uh, that's fun. That's fun to see the turnaround because you, while a lot of us were really high on him in this past season and had him in the top twenty for preseason last year, you were one of the naysayers. I think uh, you know you you weren't saying he was a bad quarterback pick no. in the mid rounds, but you were kind of uh, you had your eyes wide open to those of us who were picking him in the top ten rounds, you know, and thinking that might be a little too early. Now you're saying the opposite, which is which is kind of the fun part of the transfer portal: how a guy can you know, switch to the positive side, uh, you know, with an upgrade in a system that's perfect for him, which I think you have here. No. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's keep it moving here. Let's go talk about another guy you want to talk about here. Jeremy Grayson McCall, former quarterback at a coast Carolina, been there for a couple of years. Finally, it seems has the grades to actually transfer out. Like he couldn't last year ends up at <laughs> NC. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> he didn't have the, he didn't have the grades to go anywhere. Um, He's head over to NC State, Robert Renee's offensive system over there. Jeremy, what what what's got you interested in Grayson McCall here? Uh, his track record and uh, the, the fact that I, I think he's one of those guys that's been at the Group of Five level who has proven not just when you look at the numbers, but when you watch him play. You know, a lot of these guys to us, sadly, are just the numbers we see on a sheet because mm-hmm. there's no way we could possibly watch the thousand players we end up ranking at the end of the day, but he's a guy who's been in the limelight since coastals had one of the better G five records consistently, you know, two and three years ago. Uh, So we've, we've got to watch him perform and you can see that, you know, he's not just a guy that was in a system producing stats. He was a real football player. Um, To me, the fact that, you know, he's moving up and he's got a coach, uh, coordinating the offense like a day uh it seems like it could be a very similar fit as brennan armstrong uh even from the virginia days you know where Mm -hmm. you know you were looking at 30 points per game um i was surprised when i looked back to remind myself of his stats that he he hasn't rushed quite as much as i thought i I, I always got the feel he you know got a few more (laughs) of his points from running the ball but um you know, it's, it's been a little more, uh, a little less than I thought, but the fact that he had back-to-back years of 24 points, and even though he fell to 18, um, I'm going to write that off to the new coaching staff, and you know, again, not having quite as much of the the structure uh, in, in all-around talent that, that he'd had in the past, uh, but I think NC State's doing some good things. Um, great offensive coordinator for his skill set, and I, again, I think I kind of see the, the second coming of the Armstrong heyday. Uh, with Grayson McCall going over there. Oh, I'm going to absolutely be taking McCall in the mid-rounds. This feels like a very good situation here. Very, Like you said, very similar to Brandon Armstrong's skill set here. I think you can slide right in there. Obviously, with Robert and A, there's been a great history 
but like you said, McCall's got a good history too. Uh, previous two years, in 2022, he was on pace for the QB 36 before getting hurt to end the year. And then in 2021, he finished as the QB 35, but would have been top 20 if he didn't miss his last two games there. So that kind of gives you an idea as right. to his potential there. This past year, finished as a QB 48, like you mentioned, just downgrade at head coach from Jamie Chadwell to Tim Beck. Um, McCall wanted to get out of there last year, but like I said, or kind of alluded to earlier, right. he had some things preventing him from leaving. Now he can. Goes to Robert Renee. Robert Renee last year, for as much as like it seemed like Brandon Armstrong was a disappointment, like him and Morris, if you combine their two stats, they would have been QB 32 last year. So that's still pretty solid right. for a college fantasy quarterback. Now, it's not elite. It's not what Brandon Armstrong did in 2021 when Brandon Armstrong was the third quarterback overall. But right. there's still plenty of room for eliteness here. Again, it's why I'm going to be very comfortable taking McCall in the in the mid-round. So he'll probably be right around my QB 24. I'll be, again... As a second quarterback off the board, just shooting for upside. If I grabbed a guy, if I grabbed a guy like Caden Salter in the first round, and then came back with Grayson McCall in like the fifth or sixth round, maybe even seventh round, I'd feel very, very yeah. good about the upside of both of those guys right there. Yeah, and I think this year they didn't have a lot of support. We talked about the supporting cast um, at Ohio State that the guys can you know have for them when they're playing quarterback. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that a team had to do anything except Keith. You know, whatever the quarterback was doing at NC State this year, the the, the running backs were abysmal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Armstrong led the team with 148 carries, and the next best, like or the best running back, had 308 yards or something like that. So um, you really didn't have to focus on anything except what the quarterback was doing there. I'll talk about it a little later. I think they're getting a little bit of an upgrade at running back uh, with Waters. That's a little bit of a tease for the running backs, but. Um, I, I think, you know, there'll be less of an ability to just key on the quarterback this year as well, which will open it up a little bit more from a call. But then on the upside, you know, it is an offensive coordinator that's not afraid to have some design runs for, for his quarterback. And I think um, you see McCall get more of those design runs, kind of like I mentioned with Jefferson. He's going to uh, play for a coordinator that looks for the quarterback to run and, and, you know, puts him in situations where he wants him to run rather than one like uh, we said, Gabriel just happens to get his yards when he's scrambling. Uh, you know, you'll see more more of the design runs from a call this year too. So uh, that's another reason to be excited. That is one thing I need to do a little bit of research in when I have time this off season. It was actually an idea first brought to me by Parker Fleming when he did one of the draft specials with me last year, and it's the idea of like what's actually worth more: a scramble or a design run. In right. his idea, in in his mind, a scramble is actually worth a little bit more if you're trying to get yards per play there, because a lot of times a scramble comes when you, you're off script, your defense is not expecting it, and so there's an opportunity for them to make a big play on a scramble versus a designed quarterback run. Most of the times, those aren't meant to gain big yards; they're just kind of meant along the same lines as like a. Um, as 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 a just a regular handoff or a rushing play, you're 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 trying you're trying to right. get three four yards. Anything after that is bonus. So right, and and I I think the answer is probably a little bit of you want a guy that has the ability to scramble, and if he's a guy who gets uh, designated, you know, scripted carries, then then maybe you get a bonus with that. But um, yeah, that that's where college is totally different than the NFL, also yep. because you know sack will count against. 
a quarterback. So yep. when I mentioned Van Dyke earlier and his really bad season two years ago, you know, if you're sacked a hundred times, you know, that's probably 300 yards that you're losing mm-hmm. over the course of a season that could be positive yards and three or four extra points if you weren't getting sacked as often uh, in every game. So, uh, you know, it's kind of one of the categories we don't look at a ton, but uh, looking at the returning linemen and how many sacks they gave up, let's skip Parker on that too. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. I'll, I'll, I'll hit him up at one point. It could be a good research project. Yeah, uh, fun. Let's go to this next quarterback. This is like the ultimate. My my head is scrambled eggs trying to figure out how high am I on this dude next year, and if it's right. a mistake. Malachi right. Nelson, right. former five star quarterback uh, at USC, transfers out after one year. Talk to a couple people. There's rumors that he just wasn't quite living up to that five star pedigree. Top quarterback in the draft class or in the recruiting class pedigree there and it seems like this is a little bit confirmed by the fact that he goes down to the g5 to get his starting gig here at boise state boise state a very interesting year this past year they went and won they won the their conference and fired their head coach to give you an idea of just kind of how wonky this team kind of was last year obviously jinty and holani Uh, getting injured back and forth. Uh, just a lot of uh, McAll- uh, Eric McAllister, their leading receiver, entering the portal like with two or three weeks left in the season. Just a lot of weird stuff kind of going on here, but it seems like things have calmed down. Uh, they're, uh, I forget the name of the new head coach, but he's promoted up from the D.C. position. They are, it seems like they're picking right up where they left off. Bush Hamden, who is the offensive coordinator last year, was retained in the same role. So it's not like there's a big changeup going on over there. But right. because of all yeah. that Spencer chaos... Danielson. Because, oh, was it Spencer Danielson? Spencer Thank you. Danielson's the head coach, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you that, uh, that or you <laughs> for that, Jeremy. Good Lord. Um, because of all that chaos, and because they had two really different quarterbacks going last year between Taylor Green and Max Madsen there... It's really hard to kind of gauge what are they going to do with Malachi Nelson. And it also doesn't help the fact we haven't seen that much of Malachi Nelson. The most we've seen from Malachi Nelson in college is the USC spring game. And you know for a fact they're not going to give you what they actually plan on doing with him in that setting. So on on paper, I like the, as as my friend Mitch Hart would say, I like the big fish, small pond aspect of this. It's a former five star quarterback. Going to yep. Boise, a team that should compete for the Mountain West Championship again, has good weapons around him. Uh, obviously, with Ashton GNT, we all love him to death, but then you also have Prince Strawn, who was pretty solid last year. Uh, Latrell Capel should be coming back again this year. They're bringing in Camp Camper from Indiana. That should help out there as well. I think they're in the market for another wide receiver or two there. So they're going to help him out here. It's just... yeah. I don't know where I where I'm going to value him because I just don't know enough about Nelson at this point. Jeremy, what are your thoughts here, man? Do you have like a gauge no, as to what you're going to do with Nelson? Um, I'm as intrigued as you are. I'll, I'll say that. I mean, I love that you had him on the list. Uh, he was he was close to being you know one of the guys I threw on there when you said to give you a short list of my own. The only reason I didn't is because of the fact we haven't really seen him play in a real game, it's like like you mentioned. So. At, at a certain point, you have to also trust that 
24-7 and rivals and the guys ranking high school recruits that know even more about that aspect of it than we do, they typically do get it right with the, you know, the the high-ranked guys. They've got a mm-hmm. good success rate. They are successful for a reason. Uh, so the the thing that I like that's most intriguing is his move down. Um, again, big fish, small pond. You, there's There's nothing that tells me he can't compete against the caliber of players he'll be on the team with and playing against. Uh, so I, I honestly, like yourself, really can't imagine anybody beating him out. No. Um, if To kind of use some, that combined point total of quarterbacks like you've been doing with a few of the others we've talked about, when I add it up quickly, it looks like uh, the two quarterbacks from Boise combined still for, you know, 280 points uh, at least. Uh, so if you're to take that as a one quarterback total, that would put them in the top 30, if I'm not mistaken. You can, yeah. you can check that. But, you know, so the potential's there if, if it was even last year. And what what was interesting is they did win their conference, but it did still seem like a down season for Boise. So you almost understand why they fired the coach. It just didn't seem normal, uh, a normal Boise season. But, you know, the potential's there to still be a top 30 quarterback, I think, almost no matter what for Malachi Nelson. I'm doing the math real quick just to see in total points. Yeah, what those I showed two. two. Oh shoot! Yeah. This is this is more than I thought it was. Uh oh. Yeah. This is yeah, interesting. Exactly. Yeah, right. combined they would have had 281.08 yeah. fantasy points last year. Right. That would have put them in the top 24. That would have put them just exactly. ahead. That would have put them just ahead of Jack Star. Now, is that a perfect comparison? No. Again, we have Taylor Green, who's a very different no. quarterback than Max Madsen. And you got Max Madison, right. a very different quarterback than Taylor Green. I don't really know right. which style Nelson's probably going to favor out of those two. I would imagine Nelson's a better passer than Taylor Green, and I would hope he's a little bit better runner than Max Madison was. So we'll we'll see right. how that goes. But it, that is a very that's a very intriguing point. I didn't think to do that on this scenario, but because of how different those yeah, two quarterbacks are. Yeah, I only did it because you been doing it on the other. So I figured I'd take a, take a little bit of your strategy and kind of combine those two. Because I, did, I didn't recall going into this that Madsen had as many points as he did. So then when you mentioned him, I was like, well, let's see what they have together. And it's actually like a pretty surprising number. So so the potential's there if they just use one quarterback. And again, thinking to the portal, why would they why would they use both quarterbacks last year? These new strategies now, how do we keep two quarterbacks happy so one doesn't jet at the end of the season? Well, I, I think you've got this, is out- a, this is a bit of a different scenario because Taylor Green's legitimately a horrible passer. A I, I, I yeah. fear for Arkansas next year because of because of his inability to pass yeah. at all. So, but, yeah. like, so I think they had to move over to Madison at one point because of Taylor Green's inability to rush or inability to throw the ball. And then Madison got hurt, so they had to go back to Taylor Green. Right. So I, I think I think the way we look at this coming out of spring is if Malachi Nelson isn't the starting quarterback, then Madison is probably a top 25 quarterback himself because that means he beat out probably a hell of an athlete to, to earn that job. So um, I, I, I think that's the way you got to look at because I, I can't see Nelson not winning the job. So if, yeah, if I Madison say, does, I, I think I think you just put out a scenario that would make Nelson managers just absolutely want to off themselves if if oh, Madison yeah, yeah. beat out Nelson coming out of the spring. There's just right. you cut cut Nelson on all your <laughs> rosters if that if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, and I think I've got him on one. So we'll have to, I'll have to keep a sharp eye out on this. So all right. 
All right, let's go to our last quarterback here. This is one I think you and I disagree on, Jeremy. And I'm I'm curious I'm oh, curious yeah, to hear this that. back yeah. and forth I, here. Because I I gave this man it's a an little F, bit of a flop. But like I, yeah, I like yeah. it. Let's I, talk I let's talk some flyers here. Mitch Griffiths, Wake Forest yeah. to Marshall. On paper, it seems like a very blah. But you are excited about this. Tell us why, Jeremy. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. One, I am a Marshall Homer, as uh, some know that, that watch us. You know, my son played there, and I tend to have a little bit of extra insight. Uh, even though he's graduated, he's still got uh, former teammates on the team. So mm-hmm. I, I got some exciting uh, notes on just the offense that was being installed during the bowl practices, which – you know, even though the new offensive coordinator, Seth, I never knew if it was Dodgy. Is it Dodgy? Daigie. Is that how you pronounce it? Daigie? Yeah, Seth Daigie, who was a great quarterback in his own right at Texas Tech, um, is the new offensive coordinator. And, you know, they, they, there was a lot of discussion about the new offense during the bowl practices. And uh, it, it seems like it's definitely going to be, you know, full-blown air raid. Uh, and I'm always willing to give the benefit of the doubt to a quarterback in that type of a system. Uh, we talk all the time about how, you know, a bit much bigger part of CFF is the system, the volume, uh, as, uh, you know, we, we have entire uh, accounts now based on volume with volume pigs and mm-hmm. whether it's quarterbacks, receivers or running backs, you know, getting that volume. That is my primary factor in evaluating a guy at any position is how many times will they throw the ball? How many targets will they have? How many touches will they get out of the backfield? You know, and I I think we're going to see a shift to an offense that throws the ball at least 40 times a game consistently. Um, While he hasn't, you know, put up the numbers at Wake Forest that, you know, would blow you away. uh, Cam Cam Fancher left. uh, He was more of a dual threat. That's another indication to me that, uh, the offense is shifting because why else would you have wanted to leave? You had a good opportunity. You only left to go to Florida Atlantic, which wasn't a move up. It's more of a lateral move. So you know, I think that's another indicator that the system will be bright. I know your doubts are largely in part to his ability. Um, they also brought in Braylon Braxton from Tulsa. But I, I think Griffith's experience, you know, helps him win the job here. Um, he's another guy that you know, when looking, Wake Forest was even worse than, you know, Miami two years ago. They were 129th in sacks allowed this year with 49. Um, so I think, you know, not having to run around like a chicken with his head cut off, you know, helps Griffiths stay calm and composed. And again, this this is my flyer pick, you know, my extra bonus pick uh, to keep an eye on. Not one that, you know, again, I'm even going to put in the top 50, to be honest. But out of the remaining guys on the list, I thought, you know, he, he's got – an intriguing situation in front of him. And if he can come out of spring as the clear starter, he's definitely going to have the volume from what I've heard. And, and he's, he's on my radar. So I wanted to put him on other people's radars. Yeah. As long as Griffith stays really, really late in drafts, I don't blame people for taking a shot on here. Again, we, we love systems here. You got Seth Dagey, who is apparently going to implement that air raid. Like you talked about there. I'm a little skeptical of how well he's going to do that. In year one, yeah. because we've seen we've seen offensive coordinators sometimes take two years to really kind of get their systems going. Like, but like you said, they were doing it during the bowl game, so or during the bowl practices, so they, they got a bit of a head start there. But he's also never called plays before, sure. which yeah, I was sure. which I, I was I was interested in because I was like, all right, what has he done before? He was a tight ends coach at Purdue before this point, so again, he hasn't called plays before, so something to be keep an eye out on there. 
But at the very least, it seems like Marshall is kind of selling some guys on this system. They're bringing in some nice receivers. That was one thing I kind of was looking at. I was like, all right, who is Griffiths going to throw to? Because I don't really like any of the receivers that Marshall had beforehand. But they bring in Elijah Metcalf right, from Middle right. Tennessee, which is a pretty nice pickup. Uh, Tyshawn Chapman, again, another big fish, small pond kind of situation there. Former four-star wide receiver from UNC going down here to Marshall. I think that's an interesting one. So he's got guys to throw to. The problem is that, again, Mitch Griffiths, you can blame it on the offensive line and everything this past year, but he is kind of a turnover <laughs> machine. Seven interceptions and nine interception, or nine touchdowns this past year. I can't find his fumble numbers, but I remember, I have a Wake Forest friend. My Wake Forest friend was just tearing <laughs> his hair out with the number of fumbles that Mitch Griffiths was dealing with throughout this past season. So I'm skeptical. I don't really love the talent of Mitch Griffiths. And maybe it's a little bit of me sitting here being burnt by being so high on him last year. Like yourself, I was very excited to see Elijah Metcalf make the move also because, you know, when when I refer to a lateral move, I'm talking about a guy who kind of either stays at the P5 level and makes a move to another P5 team or maybe like like uh, Cam Fancher, Marshall's quarterback, he made the move to Florida Atlantic. I look at guys that are making those types of moves, you know, more because of the offense that they want to be in that will mm-hmm. you know highlight their skills. So when I saw somebody like Elijah Metcalf uh, make the move to Marshall, who definitely needed a, a big upgrade at, in the receiver position, you know, that got me a little more excited that okay, they they, they are going to they're going to shift the offense. Not to mention, who are they losing? Rasheen Ali. Yep. Uh, you know they're their last four year run of just having great running backs that, that produce really good fantasy numbers might be at an end uh, also. So like, I, I think you're, you're seeing the oh, shift to kind of Ethan Payne train. <laughs> I, I honestly, Jared, I think this is a better offense though, because Ethan Payne is a good receiver. So I, okay, I think, cool. you know, you're, you're going to see an offense that's actually even better suited for him. He's not a flashy runner, um, but you know, he's a great football player hard-nosed, and he can catch. So, like, you know, when you saw him being used by Marshall, you know, he was either getting four yards up the middle or he was catching a, a swing pass out of the backfield for eight to 12 yards, which is, mm-hmm. I think, going to be perfectly suited for what they're going to do. Or he can stay in and protect the quarterback because he's he's a really good blocker. So, um, you know, I think, I think those pieces are in place. And, again, the big asterisk is, you know, I follow Marshall a little closer, and sometimes I want them to be a little better than they might end up being. So, uh, you know, the, it's, it's all uh, pie in the sky for me here. No, it's totally good. Again, it's interesting bringing up some of these guys pretty early on here and everything. That's what people really like to hear. Again, the people know the big names. We're going to talk about the big names, obviously. We're not going to sweep those under the rugs, but people love right. it when you bring in guys that they just never really considered going into next year. Let's right. go talk about some right. running backs here, J-Mill. We are, we, have, we are going long on time, so let's let's keep this moving. Yep. Quinshawn Judkins right. going from Ole Miss to Ohio State in the entire CFF world. Cries, sobs, because... This seemed like a match made in heaven at first until Travion Henderson comes back for another year, which is so, so disappointing on many levels for both the CFF and the Devi world because Devi players were really hoping Travion would go out, be the clear RB1 in this draft class for running backs in a very weak running back class. He's going to be, he's going to struggle next year. Jeremy, did you just have hearts come out of your hand? But, but, oh, but, uh, but, oh, but I heard, I heard about, I heard about that. What? That's, I, I oh my, on, what? That's uh, awesome. I heard about that. I heard about that. 
Anyway, There's also um, stuff that you can do like with you can do balloons somehow, some way too. I, I didn't know that until the other day. I, was, I didn't do it on purpose. I know you did. That's uh, why I was so confused. Right. That's wow. I'm keeping that right, in. So That's Zoom. incredible. We have to find we, we have to find all the hand signals for Zoom now. There's another one to like make balloons pop up. I thought it was something like this, but you know we'll figure that out, Jared. <laughs> I did not know that. That okay. That 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 just took me off guard greatly. Anyway, back to back to college fantasy. Anyway. Uh, Judkins was going to be a top 10 running back, in my opinion, at Ohio State this year. Again, they went more bell cow with Travion Henderson to kind of finish the year last year. Had himself a really, really nice run to finish the year. He would have been probably top 15, if not top 10 running back, had he performed the way he did in the back half of the season, in the front half of the season, before he, he got hurt then. But now, with Judkins and Henderson there, I'm not touching either of these guys, really, anywhere in the top rounds. The only thing I'd be willing to do is again best ball. I'd be kind of okay with it, or and this is kind of the this is kind of the pessimistic, a little bit of asshole side of this here and everything. You don't don't like projecting injury, but maybe you draft Judkins and just kind of wait around for Henderson to get hurt again, and then you see where you can go where you can go from with there. But Jeremy, are you in the same boat as me where this is just kind of depressing yeah. all around? Yeah, this is the example we were talking about at the beginning of the show where, you know, this this just isn't good for college fantasy football. Um, it could be good for Judkins, you know, potentially go, making an upgrade in the program that he's moving on to. But, you know, he seemed to be fine where he was. That's what I was saying. Like, it, it, it it's just not like he wonder. wasn't on the NFL radar. Right. It, it, it really makes you wonder, like, you know, what just what was going on? Does he not like his teammates? Did he not like his coaches? Oh, there are plenty of rumors out there. He, it, apparently, he was quite a drama queen at Old Miss, okay. like yeah, making it, like making demands of changes in the offenses, like thinking he was right, that right. guy. And and I guess let's not forget. Um, I mean, it's the NIL era too, so he could have oh, yeah. also just been offered a million dollars to come to Ohio State. So there could be a big money factor here that I totally wasn't considering when I made my initial comment. Um, it is a brand new era where you know whether legally or illegally, guys are being reached out to and offered huge sums of money just to switch teams, like uh, like you heard about in the '60s, '50s, uh, you know, in, in in that era of football. Uh, but now it seems to be accepted and okay even though it's technically still illegal unless the guy's in the portal to do that um but that said yeah i love your note that uh it you're projecting best ball picks and uh this that's probably your your best option if uh both of these guys remain on the team all the way through the end of spring camp yeah yeah they're gonna have big games it's just i'm not gonna try to predict who's gonna go off what game all right yeah yeah exactly so let's go ahead and move on to the next guy here penny boone this is interesting. It's one of those classic G5 guy moving up to the Power Four, not going to a big-time program, but the kind of that mid-tier Power Four program here at Louisville. Louisville's been on a good stretch with Jeff Brom already. Jawar Jordan this past yeah. year under Brom finishes the RB23 with him just missing most of one game. So that gives you an idea of, like, with Brom, if he finds a guy, he will ride him like he did Jawar Jordan this past year. But... Right. I'll go ahead and throw it over you, Jeremy. I think you you were the one who suggested this topic, so we'll we'll, we'll go with no, you, and then I'll, I'll make I'll make my case on why I'm a little hesitant here. The, the running backs, as much as I kind of downplayed the quality so far of the quarterback moves, 
running back was even harder. I, I really only want to give you like three running backs and had to look hard for a fourth and wasn't really, you know, excited about uh, the guys that have made commitments so far, largely due to guys, multiple guys making commitments to new teams that are the same team. So, you know, before I get to the upside, I mean, you, you have Cheney from Miami that's also chosen to go to Louisville. Uh, you have Garendo who's coming back. So even though Gerard Jordan's uh, I gone, don't believe uh, Garendo's coming back. All right. So, yeah, I didn't realize Garendo was not coming back. So that actually makes me feel even better about him being one of the, the guys I'm more excited about. Uh, but I really – I. He, he finally did this year what we thought he was going to do a couple years ago, but he really got trapped in that one of the worst committees of all time at Toledo two years ago. Absolutely. We, we said to stay away from Toledo running backs again last year, thinking it was going to be a repeat. But, you know, I'm really excited about his potential now because he managed to break through really big committee and it gets me most excited the fact that he's he's going to be in a good offense where i have a feeling you know he's going to be utilized quite a bit at the goal line so even if he's sharing time with cheney from miami or the other guy you're excited about i can't imagine anybody else being down there getting the goal line carries um so you know i i like the fact that he does have a track record even though it was on the g5 level uh but he's got the size and athleticism to also stand out and, and beat out the competition, I think, uh, when he makes the move. See, I understand the the goal line carry argument there. I I I I, I can definitely see that. But mm -hmm. what we saw with Jordan last year is that what really kind of solidified them constantly giving him carries, making sure that he uh, was given as many touches as possible was the fact that he could just break one at any given point right there, right? Like he was a smaller guy, five, nine and a half, 185 pounds, not, right. but he dude could take it to house on any given carry, right? Like Boone and Jawar Jordan are not the same running back at all. I, I went and looked at campus of Canton's athletic uh, comparison tool, which is a very good tool. In my opinion, if you're trying to do something like that, we're like, okay, this dude's going to be Jawar Jordan 2.0, Right. Well, this helps you kind of understand, like, do they have relatively the same um, skill set here? Well, Jawar Jordan, no. looking at his <laughs> athleticism this past year, 62 percentile. Penny Boone, 53rd percentile. So he is a he's a less athletic quarterback speed wise. Um, Jawar Jordan, 81st percentile versus Penny Boone. I believe that is down to point five, uh, 58th percentile. So not nearly as fast. Yeah. And so. That tells me, like you said, they're not they're not going to use him the same way that Jordan was. They're not. He's probably not going to have that workload when they have guys to rotate in, like Don Chaney, who's also a pretty big running back in his own right, so he could be getting goal line carries as well. And then Maurice Turner, who I also like, and if you look at his athletic comparison compared to Jawar Jordan, it kind of lines up just a little bit more. Again, his agility is also one of the things that defined Jawar Jordan. Jawar Jordan's in the 93rd percentile. Maurice Turner's also in the 93rd percentile. And he's got some power behind him, too, as well. 82nd percentile there. I don't know what um, Jawar Jordan's uh, power percentile is. We don't have those stats, unfortunately, right there. But that could also no, provide more. Zero power, according to uh, Zero power. Well, it, 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 usually that means we just don't have the stats for that. Um, and then the other part of this is. Right. No, no, I'm joking around. I got you. Um, I got you. Well, 
Hey, one one name I'll throw out there though. Let's think of um, think of think of um, you know, it, by no means is it um scientifically proven here, but like you know, Maccabi, the way he used Maccabi at Purdue two years ago. No fair. Uh, when you think of a bigger back, you know, Maccabi was getting those goal line touchdowns. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of a, a science there in terms of how Brom will approach him and what he'll use him for. A little bit of it's you know wishful thinking but uh out of the like i said out of the, he's not super high i don't know if he'll be a top 50 running back but you know out of the out of the commitment so far you know i am very intrigued uh by this move yeah and one last thing i'll throw out here and this is kind of the thing that all of us in the cff community dread is these g5 to p5 moves or p4 now right and let's look at what happened to some of the top running backs over the last couple of years who made that transition. Carson Steele is RB5 in 2022, RB55 this past year when he goes to UCLA. So decent still, but a pretty big drop-off from his incredible year. Mm -hmm. Brian Batty, RB41 in 2022, RB333 the next year. Dylan McDuffie, RB20, or RB33 <laughs> in 2021. RB four hundred and forty six next year. Yeah, yeah, wow. Georgia Tech, like, especially with Louisville bringing in some of these other guys, having some guys on the roster they already like. Penny Boone just kind of feels like he's going to be stuck in a, a committee here. I don't like this move whatsoever. So, all right, well, let's move on to another guy. First, first disagreement. <laughs> the first big disagreement. That's okay. good to me. Also, by the way, my apologies for That's my fine. cough. I'm still I'm still getting over a cold to all of you guys listening. So if you hear a little coughs in the background, that's what's going on. Anyway, let's keep it rolling with the running backs here. Chip Trait Unum, Ohio State to Kentucky here. Obviously, Ray Davis, a monster season this past year. RB5 on the year. And even before that, Kentucky's been a pretty good hotbed for top running backs for college fantasy. Not quite to the elite level that Ray Davis was last year. But Chris Rodriguez, two years in a row, RB31 in 2022, if he had stayed healthy for the entire year, and then RB32 this past year, or not this past year, the year before that. So Kentucky clearly used to kind of giving it to one guy here, having their own volume pig, as our friend Justin would say there. The major question to me here still, though, is Chip Trainum. We liked him early on in his career at Arizona State. Goes to Ohio State, transfers to linebacker, <coughs> then transfers back to running back. Looks good back as running back at Ohio State, but it's just too crowded of a room. You got Travion Henderson. They bring in Quinshawn Judkins, granted, after Trey Onum left, but Trey Onum needed his own opportunity. So where do you go? A great CFF system that's been feeding one guy, and quite frankly, there's nobody else really on Kentucky's roster that I love as to be yeah, that yeah. guy up there. So I like this landing spot quite a bit. I imagine that Trip Trayonum, out of the transfer running backs that we talked about here, probably will be my highest rated one out of the bunch. Jeremy, what do you kind of think of this overall? Yeah, I was kind of neutral. I mean, I don't even know who the other running backs on Kentucky's team are. So you've you've started to sell me now on Trayonum. I, I didn't know a lot about him. Um, you know, because the running back room is so crowded, I didn't bother to dig into him much. Uh you know, since he, you know, had moved to linebacker. I, I wasn't very excited about him last year just because it was so crowded. Um, you know, so it looks like he made the right move, got out of town. Um, 
I'd co-sign what you're saying strictly based on like the lack of running backs that I can find on Kentucky's roster that I know any more about. Uh, so um, it's it, as little as I know about him, I know less about any other Kentucky running backs. So, uh, you know, he, he's, he's definitely a candidate to keep an eye on now uh, that you've brought him to my attention. So I'll, I'm, I'll name him as the one guy that uh, I'm going to say fewer words about. Yeah, Demi Sumo is probably the only other running back I'm kind of interested over there at Kentucky. But like again, he's like that wide receiver or running back on a hybrid. Um, yeah, and then uh, Jamari and Wilcox was a guy that some people kind of liked last year, but like I'm not, I I, I never really liked him that much. Uh, Ramon right. Ramon Jefferson has the size, has what you needed to see maybe as a potential guy to step up, but he's yeah. out of eligibility, so. I'm in on chip tray on them until I hear otherwise. So yeah, yep, good one. Another again, really tray on them and the next two guys all are in the same kind of boat where they're all going to places that had elite running backs last year, and it's just a question of will they take over that next role this year or next year potentially. But we'll move on to the next one here. Marcus Carroll, running back out of yep. Georgia State, going to Missouri. This is one of those deals where it's kind of like Dylan Gabriel, where this should make us happy, right? Like it is a guy who was a top 12 CFF running back last year going to a system that is losing their top 12 running back last year in Cody Schrader. They love to feed the running back there at Mizzou. Tyler Beatty just two years ago in 2021 was the RB2 overall. So it's very clear when this coaching staff has their main guy they're going to run him into the ground. Kirby Moore shown at when during his time at Fresno State that he's willing to feed one running back. So this should be a good thing for Marcus Carroll going over there. It's just Uh-oh. a matter of I got you, Jeremy. We're 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 still connected okay. for now. Um All right. this should be something that we are excited about with everything kind of coming together right here. The problem is two things. One Schrader was phenomenal this past year, but it took him two years to get to the role that we know and love him for this past year. His first year, he was the RB83 overall and was kind of splitting the backfield with Nathaniel Pete and a couple of other guys there versus this past year, he got it all to himself. Marcus Carroll, I thought, was going to be the one lone running back that Mizzou was going to add this year, but then they go out and grab Nate Noel out of Appalachian State as well, which kind of brings down a little bit of the excitement for Carroll kind of having this all to himself in that backfield. Now, granted, Nathan Wells is a smaller guy. He works really f- well at the G5 level. Got a lot of great volume down there. I don't think that translates nearly as well to the Power 5 level, especially uh, taking on the SEC there, which I think Carroll is a little bit more built to handle that workload than a guy like Noel. But it's still it's something to keep an eye on. Probably going to have Carroll in my... RB 30 range, like definitely a guy I'm going to be happy to take in the round six through 10 range, depending on how the running back position falls during drafts. But Jeremy, your thoughts on Carroll and this whole situation. Yeah, I like Carroll a lot. Um, and like, like you mentioned, um, you, you drop him down a little bit after you see Nate Noel's also decided to go there. But um, I think I've mentioned in the past that, you know, if, if a team's taking multiple guys at a position in the, from the transfer portal, I would hate to be a guy at that position that's on the team currently because that means oh, that sure. they're not very satisfied with the quality of that position on the current roster. 
and where the only tool in the past was to recruit over you, now they can go get a transfer over you. Um, so this indicates to me that they're not very happy at all with who is uh, behind Schrader, um, or they wouldn't have gone out and got both of these guys. Um, but this is one where, similar to McCall, when I mentioned getting to watch him a lot and just understanding how good he is from watching him, for whatever reason, I got to see a lot of Marcus Carroll last year. I think because of the uh, Sunbelt's deal with ESPN now to play on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays, there was a lot of Georgia State on TV. Um, and if you didn't get to watch him, uh, you know, I would say go back and, and watch, you know, his highlights. Uh, he's not the flashiest. He doesn't cut a lot. He doesn't make um, a lot of really quick moves, but he's as hard of a runner as you will see play football. Um his pad level is incredible. You know, he can get underneath guys that are trying to tackle him to, you know, as they say, fall forward or get tackled forward to get those extra three or four yards at the end of a play. Uh, there probably wasn't a running back that I saw play that I was as impressed with from uh, just a pure toughness standpoint. And uh, I, I think that that can carry over, uh, even though he is moving up a level, he's a big level, you know, into the SEC. Um, but he just seems to be too good of a football player to be contained or not win the job uh, when you're comparing him to a guy like Nate Noel, who I've loved in the past. And we've debated about him uh, as recent as last year, uh, you know, where I think I had him higher than you, Jared. But as much as I love Noel, um, you know, I, I just was super impressed with Carroll, and I'm happy to see this move for a guy like him uh, to see, you know, so he can prove that, you know, he's not just a, G, a great G5 back. He's one of the – guys that I think will be an exception to that transfer rule. Yeah, I, I and again, like, this year at running back is so, so good at the top. There is a ton of guys returning to the schools that they were at, same coaching staff, a lot of excitement to have there. But eventually that does dry up, as it does every single year, and you're going to have to start taking shots a little bit on some guys that are past yeah. that point. Carroll is going to be at the very top of my list. Again, like I said, yeah. former former top 12 running back going to a school that just produced a top 12 running back for CFF. It's hard to kind of beat a situation like that. All right. Right, right. And, and I will say this. If you look at him on paper and see he's 5'10 and 200, he he doesn't look like a guy that's only 200. He, he really – you feel like you're watching a guy with the power he has. It's like 220 pounds. Uh, so I was actually shocked when I took that note down. I was expecting to write down a note on how big he was because of how big he plays, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the power that, that uh, he runs with. So uh, don't be, uh, you know, put off by the fact that he's only 200 pounds. You know, he's got every bit of power that you need behind that to, to work for you. And I'm sure going to a uh, strength and conditioning program at Mizzou will probably be able to add a few, a little bit more weight on him than he was able to get at Georgia exactly. State. Exactly, exactly. All right, another running back here, Mario Anderson, South Carolina to Memphis here. Obviously, Memphis just produced us Blake Watson, top three CFF running back this past year. Jeremy, is Mario Anderson, yeah. is, is he the replacement? Or are we going to see the uh, Memphis uh, hellscape running back committee that we saw the previous two years out of that staff? I think you, you may see some continued committee. Uh, the offensive coordinator there, uh, Coach Cramsey, uh, even when he was at Marshall, he, he you know, he'd give – I'll leave a break every once in a while, but uh, for some reason at Memphis, he's got a little more committee. I think they stick to that, but the one consistent part about Tim Cramsey that you should note is he loves to throw a running back the ball. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Anderson had, and uh, even though he only had 700 yards rushing last year, he had 22 catches, which stands out to me. Um, Watson had 53 catches last year to lead Memphis's running backs. Asa Martin, the year before, had 36. So you're looking at a guy who should come in, and even if he's in a committee with reduced yards, doesn't even quite get to 1,000, maybe even replicates the 700 he had, uh, I, I think you're looking at a guy who probably gets three to four catches a game. So in PPR leagues, you know, this, this is going to be one of your guys, you know, from a group of five school that, um, you know, can make up for some yardage uh, that he won't get with the catches that he will get, uh, which is Tim Cramsey's proven that, you know, he's going to find a running back that he likes to throw to and get it to him very consistently. See, I, I love this as well. I, I pointed out the exact same thing in my article about it. It really feels like that Mario Anderson, one, was kind of underrated by South Carolina, just their staff as well. Like I was kind of shocked that he was almost kind of pushed out despite the fact that he ran for almost 700 yards last year. Like He was the only thing working for that running game for South Carolina right. last year. So for, to see him leave and now step down a level. like He, he, he was getting, he was, it was right. between Memphis and Oklahoma where the two schools that Mario Anderson was looking at here. So for him to step down and go to Memphis tells me they're selling him. Maybe this is too much speculation here, but I think that they're selling him on a three down roll. I think that they saw what they were able to get out of Blake Watson. When they have a guy like that, that can rush up the middle and catch balls at the backfield. Anderson right. can replicate somewhat of what Watson was able to do. Now, I don't think he's going to do what Watson did last year. I don't think he'll end up being a top three back like, Watson was this past year because again like you mentioned right. before part of it was that Watson had it all to himself I think uh Sutton Smith is somebody to keep an eye out for here in the Memphis running back room if he might be somebody that we'll need to see if he's going to cut into Mario Anderson's potential here but for now again getting into that getting into that area where you know it's not nearly as set in stone you got a lot of changes and everything like that when you're th- at that point in the draft. I feel like Mario Anderson's got to be somebody that you take the shot on just because of the system. And if you're feeling a little queasy about it, go grab Sutton Smith like 10 rounds later. I'm sure he's still going to be on the board for a lot of people. So, right. yep. No, I, I like this one a lot. And, um, you know, he averaged on the limited carries he had, he, he still led the team, but uh, he, he didn't get a ton of carries. Like you said, he still averaged nearly five yards of carry in the SEC. So, um, you know, he's, he's got the potential you know, to, to be a very, he, he could end up being kind of a top 25, top 30 guy for sure. All righty. Let's move on to our last two running backs here. Um, huh, how funny of me to put names at the end that we could cover if we had time. Silly me. Anyway, ah. Jaquavius Marks running back out of Mississippi state going to USC. He was on fire to start last year. Like he was like, like two, 25 point plus games full bell cow back from Mississippi state gets hurt after two solid weeks. And it was a very much what could have been situation. He was RB five after those two weeks. He's out of Mississippi state. They fire their head coach. They needed to kind of reshape some things over there. And he finds an opportunity to go play for Lincoln Riley over here. And last couple of years, Lincoln Riley running backs, like we kind of think of them as, you know, Okay, that's like a surefire bet in college fantasy, right? Well, not quite as surefire as we thought it was. Now, granted, a lot of this has to do with that Lincoln Riley's running backs just kind of seem to get banged up 
pretty uh, pretty consistently on a year-by-year basis. But look through the history here. 2021, Kennedy Brooks finishes the RB46, and that was in a really good year for him. He was at a, at a high of RB25 in Week 8. Um, but again, he finishes just inside the top 50 there. Uh, 2022, Travis Dye finishes the RB51. Although he, again, once again, got hurt. He was on pace to be in a uh, top 20 running back for college fantasy that year before he got hurt. And this past year, same story. Marshawn Lloyd finishes right in that same range, RB51. But if he played all 12 games, he would have finished as the RB28. So, like, that tells me that as much as some of these Lincoln Riley running backs have some kind of, not abysmal finishes, but kind of lesser than finishes, compared to how we think about them, it really is just a matter of health. Like, these guys, if they stay healthy, will be good assets to own. And I think Joaquavius Marks will slide right into what he wants to do there. The big thing is, Marks is coming off injury. Again, he pretty much ended his campaign early um, with his injury. He played in most of his games, but you could tell he just wasn't the same running back that he was to start the season. Very clearly hampered. They had nobody else to go to. So... As long as he stays healthy, I'm liking this spot at USC. Jeremy, your thoughts, man? Yeah, I'm I'm just gun shy about um, taking a Riley running back in fantasy football. Uh, I think Marshawn Lloyd last year is the peak. I think kind of finishing in the high 40s, low 50s is as good as it's going to get for a Lincoln Riley running back. He can find a guy he leans on for a few games, but you know he's the <laughs> ultimate. He and his offensive coordinators, which I think funnels through him anyways, is really the ultimate, you know, running back by committee methodology coach. Um, he might lean on a guy and they get hurt, like you mentioned, but I, I think it's more by design. I think I think he's trying not to overuse them and then somehow they end up hurt anyways. I don't I'm not even sure, how, you know, how that happens that way because he's trying to keep them safe and they don't. But, you know, you mentioned Kennedy Brooks, like points per game two years ago at Oklahoma, he was 60th and yeah, with 15, which isn't bad, um, you know. Again, you're, you know, if you're if you're in deep leagues and your guys in the top 50 aren't bad to have on your roster as a third or fourth running back, but I really think USC running backs are prime every year for just best ball because they're mm-hmm. going to have some big games. You just they're the most unpredictable group, you know, in college football to me is like which USC running back will have a breakout game this week or this season uh you know who knows uh, so i love marks as a player uh, and, and you know i think he improved his stock greatly overall in real life this year um but uh you know it's good, this is a good real life football move maybe not so much for cff in my opinion I, I think he could be around in the 50s like marshawn lloyd but he'll they'll they'll figure out two or three other running backs to work into the mix to hurt him from a fantasy perspective i think yeah, Quentin Joyner is a pretty good running back they got over there as well. So I would I would imagine that he probably gets added in. I'll be real. I wouldn't be surprised if they added another one from the transfer portal, just kind of given their track record before. All right, last guy we'll talk about here is another J-Mill special. Is a guy that I wasn't really planning on talking about, but J-Mill, you really want to talk about. And I think there's a little bit of interesting uh, ideas to be discussed here with him. So we're definitely going to talk about him here. Jordan Waters, the for- former running back out of Duke, Heading over to NC State, he finishes the RB43 this past year. Very interesting dynamic here, right? Like, Robert Anae has been back and forth on the running backs the last couple of years. This past year, Delbert Mims was the number one running back for NC State. You kind of touched on this earlier, J-Mill. Uh, RB186 in the country. 
But the year before, right. Sean Tucker, RB20 on the year. Year before, Virginia right. didn't have a running back in the top 300 for a college fantasy. Right. So what are we getting with Jordan Waters here, Jeremy? You think you're going to end up closer to Sean Tucker? I, I think you end up somewhere. Yeah, I don't think you end up anywhere close to 186, and you probably don't end up anywhere super close to 20, but I, I think you're looking at a guy that could finish 50 to 60, and that tells you what I thought about overall the group of running backs that have committed so far because he's still in kind of my top four, top five, that have made a commitment in the transfer portal, but I'm still saying maybe he's, you know, a top 60 guy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt of having a solid track record, you know, being in a shared role at Duke. You know, the other side of that is you could say, well, if he was that good, why didn't he just win the job outright in Duke? I don't know, but I do like the fact that on, he made a lot out of the, the more limited opportunities that he had. He, he wasn't getting 200 carries a year. He was getting somewhere, I think, 130, 140, 50 carries over the last two seasons. You know, he still managed 750 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, he had six games last year over 17 points. So there was a little bit that was hit or miss about him. But, you know, we knew going in they had two running backs at Duke, and they, they used both of them. Mm-hmm. And this is a case where, again, I just don't know any of these other guys on the NC State roster. And, you know, we'll start digging deeper as we get into spring battles and looking at who's making some noise and who guys are truly competing with. But as a first go-round, he jumps out because I don't know of any other running back on the team that's going to steal carries from him like, you know, it was happening at Duke. Um, so he's, he's got that potential to get 200 carries I, I, that's what i'm banking this on right now no and i totally could see that again uh as you mentioned there like there's not much competition they lose delbert mims they lose michael allen who's a running back that i kind of liked over there he went to unlv that's kind of an interesting one right there and the other right. thing i'll throw out here with jordan waters is that one he made it he made he did well with his opportunities last year, but again, you would expect some touchdown regression there, right? Like he, he had only 800 yards, but but 12 touchdowns. Like that's probably not going to happen again. But at the same time, mm-hmm. at the same time, like you said, he makes the most out of what he can do with it. Um, the one last thing I want to kind of throw out here with Waters is we're specifically seeing NC State try to load up this receiver room, right? Kevin Concepcion was like their only real pass catching option they had at times last year, which actually makes me a little worried about him this year, given the fact they're adding guys like Wesley Grimes, who myself, Nate Marquise, a lot of us liked for years at, at, at Wake Forest. They're also adding Noah Rogers, a former five-star wide receiver who is committed to Ohio State. He's coming home to NC State. They got three good options at receiver. You mentioned before, Grace McCall, very efficient quarterback. They might pass the ball 40 times a game because that's just where their strength is. They got a ton of great pass catching options. It's just a matter of can Waters take advantage of that with him only having at most 16 catches in a year for his production. So maybe we see an uptick. Not sure. We'll see. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where, again, I'm, I'm trying to do a quick look at kind of even how many carries they had or, you know, hand, or running plays they had last year. Um, just to put it in a little more perspective here. Yeah, I mean, they had 478 last year. They've got the same offense coordinator. I hear exactly what you're saying. They're probably going to throw the ball more 
uh, this year. But, um, yeah, if they're at 400 carries, I, I could, with the lack of names on the roster, I could, I'm still banking on the fact that he's going to be a 200 carry guy that can at least get you the thousand yards. I agree. 12 touchdowns, probably not, but, you know, a thousand for eight touchdowns is kind of, the very early preliminary look that I'm going to give for Jordan Waters, you know, so with that, you know, he, he makes it in, amazingly to the top five of the running backs that have signed so far, in my opinion. So. No, I think it's very interesting. Again, it's probably going to be there a guy is. available later in your, in your drafts. And I'll probably take a quick look at him, see where I find him in my rankings. Alrighty. Right, right. Jeremy, we're at the end here, man. We're going long. I'll try to wrap this up relatively quickly, but don't worry. I'll make sure you get your opportunity to talk about what you guys are playing over the next couple of weeks. I just want to oh, throw out fun. a yeah. few names here that we didn't get to talk about, but I just want to throw the names out there for people to that they're aware of them. Uh, AJ Duffy, Florida State, going to San Diego State at quarterback. DJ Uyangalele going from Oregon State to Florida State. Daquan Finn going from Toledo to Baylor. Riley Leonard, the quarterback out of Duke, going to Notre Dame. Tywee Walker, the running back out of Oklahoma, the walk-on running back, I might add. Uh, heading to Wisconsin, so something to keep an eye on there. George Petaway, the former four-star running back out of North Carolina, headed to James Madison. And then Raheem Sanders, the running back out of Arkansas, former top two uh, draft capital running back, heading to South Carolina, going from one middling SEC team with bad O-line problems to another middling SEC team with bad O-line problems. Sanders, what are you doing, man? I don't understand. All right. Let's wrap yeah. this up, Jeremy. Uh, again, we, 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 could, we could talk for three hours about this. And shoot, there, there are some guys I just listed off there that warranted five, ten-minute discussions on them just by themselves here. But really glad that you're able to hop on here, man. Again, I know it's early in the year, January. A lot of, a lot of things still going on. We're getting ready for the first way to, or the, the third annual way too early CFF mock draft special, bringing all of you guys and you got you and Willie B will be partaking in that. Uh, you and I are, are actually uh, y'all and me are like right next to each other in the draft order. So that should be a ton of fun. We'll have that out by the end of the month. And that'll really kick off the start of the CFF 2024 season, really kind of getting everybody geared up for that. Uh, we'll be talking wide receivers and tight ends in the transfer portal next week. I got Nicholas Ian Allen coming on to discuss that. That should be a ton of fun. And then once we're past the way too early mock draft special, we're going to dive into some of these coaching hires, talk about what kind of impacts it's going to have for college fantasy moving forward. So excited about all that stuff. Jeremy, what about you, man? What are you and Willie B cooking up over there with your list? Yeah, we're um, this was good timing because, like I said, I'd kind of gone into a little bit of a hibernation as we put out our year end lists of the all conference guys. We we're going to do a fun, you know, conference power rating that we always wrap up the season with, where we kind of look at where the quarter, all the positions finish within every conference just ends. I don't know that it's a guide to help you in anything but uh, as a stats guy and a numbers guy I just kind of like to compare the conferences and you know how they fared overall as kind of a power ranking uh, but then we get in we go into full swing it looks like on our calendar <laughs> in about a week we're going to start putting out our initial list of the most impactful portal players so you've actually done me a big favor getting me into the mix on uh, kind of ranking some of these guys already uh, because Willie B would be really upset with me if I wasn't as uh, 
ready as he is going to be uh, when we put out our portal summary. So kind of three or four days at a time, we'll start with the tight ends, you know, looks like around January 22nd uh, with kind of the most impactful signings to date at that point, meaning the guys that should be the best uh, CFF players for 20. Uh, and along with that, since so many guys haven't, have, haven't chosen teams, we'll have kind of the most intriguing list of undecided guys to go along with that by position. That'll run us through the end of January. Uh, then we'll start looking at, um, you know, the initial freshman list kind of middle of February. And then we'll roll yep. into all the uh, battles to watch during spring for March and April. So we just kind of ramp up gradually around this time. Uh, it's a nice natural fit with what you do. Uh, to get us to do our homework a little bit early uh, with the draft. So we're real excited about that. Thank God it's a slow draft, so we don't have to uh, <laughs> get too intense with our research. Um, we have plenty of time in between picks, but uh, we promise to get our pick to you within five or six hours every time we go on the clock. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem there whatsoever. Again, we're going to have a great time with that. I, I, I wish we could do it live because that would make for an excellent, I mean, excellent content. But oh, yeah, yeah. obviously getting everybody actually- in the same room at the same time would be right. absolutely broadcasting nuts. live would be even more fun i think that would be a if you could ever get that together as like a live youtube broadcast like you do with your uh mock drafts that would be really fun too yeah the problem is just fitting 12 people and 12 or more people because some people are teaming up like you and willie b 12 or more people into the same you Zoom know what call would be nuts so jared you always you always need content get get 10 of your followers to do their own version live on youtube and see how they compare it to the quote experts and how we end up. Well, if you're listening and you're interested in doing that, uh, hit me up in the DMs at CFM yeah, underscore yeah. Jared. We'll see what we can do. That'd be fun. All right. But otherwise, just catch us at CFF Lists on Twitter. We'll be there. Yep. Absolutely. Go check out their content. They are amazing. They've been doing this for a couple of years now and they have been absolutely rocking it. Uh, speaking of rocking it, you guys are rocking it by listening to the show. And I really appreciate you guys. Um, we are headed out and I'll see you guys next week when we discuss wide receivers until then have a wonderful and blessed week. See you. Trying to get the heart.